You're listening to Men of Abundance, episode 127, with Mark Menard. And today we're talking about standing up for others, because it's the right thing to do. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on in your world today, Men of Abundance? I am Wally Carmichael, your host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community. If you are brand new, if this is the first time you're discovering Men of Abundance and this is the very first episode you've listened to, I want to welcome you and I want you to go thank whoever it is that referred you to Men of Abundance. Seriously, go thank them. That is your abundant mentality. That is your abundance act to do today is to thank the person that introduced you to men of abundance now if you happen to be doing a search on google or itunes or facebook or whatever it may be and you just happen to stumble across men of abundance i would love for you to tell me about that experience and how you found men of abundance As you might have read in the description on iTunes, Men of Abundance will prove to you that you can have massive abundance in your life by taking action and enhancing your mindset and getting away from the disease of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. And that is what we are going to do today. And specifically today, we're talking about standing up for other people that are just being picked on or aren't being treated properly. And there are so many ways for you to stand up for other people. You can even do it anonymously. You don't even have to put yourself out there. You don't have to get into a fist fight. You don't have to get into a verbal altercation. Sometimes all it takes is just bringing it to somebody else's attention or pointing somebody in the right direction. That's not what Mark did, though. Mark took it quite a bit further. And I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And I know others are going to enjoy it as well. But they're not going to hear it unless you share Men of Abundance with others. So make sure you do that. Make sure you're sharing Men of Abundance with everybody that you come in contact with. And leave a rating and review on iTunes or whatever podcast player it is that you're listening to. Leave a rating and review and leave your comment on the website or wherever you're listening to Men of Abundance from. Now, let's talk about sticking up for others, and I've got multiple stories throughout my life of me doing this from even back in high school. I really liked gymnastics. I was okay with it. I wasn't great, but I was asked to volunteer with the special needs kids in the high school for their PE program, and I happily did that. Now, listen, I want to make it clear. I don't want to paint a picture that I'm some perfect angel because I certainly haven't been throughout my life. But there's always been something in me that did not like to see injustices occur. Even though I have to shamefully admit that there have been times in my life that I'm not very proud of. That I was the brunt of some injustices. We'll just leave it at that. But at this point, that's not what we're talking about today. Today we're talking about sticking up for other people. And it's sometimes it's physical, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just saying the right thing. Let me tell you one quick story about when I was traveling from, I think I was traveling from Phoenix to San Diego or something like that, but I was definitely coming from Phoenix. And I was already in the military at this point in time, early in my career. I was very thin. Obviously, I'm white. And I sit down next to this older white lady, and she was thin as well. 
That's going to become important in just a minute. And the plane was held up. Now, this was back in the day where a plane could be held up by somebody who was late. They would literally wait on the on the tarmac and wait on the airfield in the terminal and not take off. So we're waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally, the couple that was holding up the plane that was late gets on the plane and we're about ready to take off. They're closing the doors. Well, it just so happened that this couple was black. And the lady that was standing next, sitting next to me, she says, oh, of course, it's got to be some choice words. And I just gave her a look like, you know, that's not okay, but I didn't say anything. Then as we're going on through the flight, you know how the flight attendants, they'll come up and down the aisle with the, uh, with the carts. And they couldn't get through the aisle because this very overweight lady was in the aisle and they just couldn't get past her. And the woman made some comment. Now, this was years ago, so I don't remember all the details, but I do remember the basics that this lady looked at me and gave me a look and said, fat people, they, you know, what are they doing on the plane? You know, at that point, I was definitely fed up. I should have said something the first time, but I didn't. And I told the lady, I said, look, just because you and I look alike does not mean that we think alike. And I left it at that. And she was quiet the rest of the flight. Now, I seriously doubt that I made any change in that woman. But at the very least, I planted a seed. And to me, that was justifiable enough. Uh, you know, there wasn't much more I could say. There's not much you're going to say to somebody who's already set in their ways. But you know, stranger things have happened and maybe I did make a change. I would like to think that I did. It's stuff like that. That's what I'm talking about, about sticking up for other people. And it's not always an underdog. It's just dipping, sticking up for other people who are not being treated properly and not letting somebody who looks like you talk about somebody who doesn't look like you and doesn't necessarily, air quotes, fit into your group. Uh, it's just not right, and we have to stop it somehow. It's those little things that will make a difference, and these are the conversations we should be having. Now, this conversation that Mark and I are going to have is a little bit different than that story I just shared with you, but it does set the stage because Mark tells a story about how he was incarcerated from something he didn't even know what the heck happened. You got to hear this story. And then he talks about some people, a group of people that he has stepped up and helped in a huge way. And we talk about all kinds of other life lessons as well that I know you're absolutely going to get something out of. So let me introduce Mark to you real quick. As I already alluded to, from jail at age 17 to CEO at age 26, Mark is a best-selling author, has built his company to a multi-million dollar company over the past 10 plus years, literally starting with his office in a barn. Now, Mark does not speak on theories. He brings real talk from actual experience of battling from within the trenches. Mark combines knowledge with experience, delivering results on every level. Men of Abundance, it is my honor to introduce you to Mark Menard. Mark, welcome to Men of Abundance, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Wally, how are you doing, my man? I'm fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Where are you at in the world? I am right outside of Columbus, Ohio, right in the suburbs. It's called New Albany, Ohio. It sounds like a beautiful, beautiful place. I looked at some of your background and saw some of the pictures that you have up on your websites and everything. Absolutely gorgeous area. I have not been there yet, but I do plan on it. It's it's nice um, in the warmer times of the year. The the winters <laughs> get pretty rough, but yeah, it's, 
it's it's definitely nice when it starts warming up for sure nice absolutely well if i do come in the winter it'll be a quick visit if i come in the summer it'll be a little bit longer i'm, I'm a hot weather type of guy yeah yeah make make sure to plan it come in the summer or the fall that's that's the way to do it absolutely so before we get too much into the show you know i really love to start out the show with an attitude of gratitude kick it off right so what do you have to be grateful for today mark that's right you know i i actually at times will write down even a a journal before i go to bed of things i'm grateful for and when i wake up what I realized was I started getting a lot more grateful for the things that we tend to overlook. And today as I was jogging this morning, just from breathing, I realized I was grateful to be able to be breathing and in good health because right now there's someone in the hospital wishing for the life that a lot of us are complaining about. Absolutely. <laughs> You, that is, it, it's laughable to some extent, but it's absolutely <laughs> so serious. It really is. Cause I, we see people and, and they just complain about the most frivolous things, not to take away from them because, you know, their perception is real to them. But sure. it, to, to some of us who have, you know, lived a little bit harsher lives and, you know, seen some real adversity in our life in various forms, we're going to get into your story here in a minute. Everything else just kind of gets a, you have a different perspective on life, you know? That's right. That's right. And, you know, I, the human mind, don't, I, I have my little pity parties at time, but I just, I leave them a lot quicker now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've, and I've learned to, I, the head, your brain can default to the negative. So like you said, I wait, I intentionally make sure that I'm grateful about things and that puts it in perspective for all of us. Right, and that what you just mentioned is those skills that you've learned along the way, intentionally or not, um, of just being resilient in your daily activities. That's right. It's definitely a learned process, like a muscle. Mm-hmm. You, you develop mm-hmm. it over time, for sure. Absolutely. So before we got started with the show, I talked a little bit about you, a little bit about your background and what you've been up to. But here on Men of Abundance, we really like to get to know the person behind the abundance. And sure. we're going to get into your kick in the gut moment in just a minute. But really, I just want to kind of get to know you on a little bit more personal level. So let's do that right now. Let's Tell us a little bit more about yourself and let's get personal. Yeah, well... What a lot of people don't know, so I'm mar- I've am i been married for going on 11 years this August, and um, we have five kids, which uh, is craziness. We, we have um, our four kids, and we have our nephew that we adopted from a rough situation. So um, that's a lot of people ask that when they give me the excuse of they don't have time to do a book or create a business, it, it always makes me laugh because I'm like, well, I have five kids, and... I've been able to pull it all off, so so many things possible. But um, you know, I'm I, I'm just uh, I, I consider myself um, uh, just ordinary dude that I have faith in God that's helped me to do a lot of extraordinary things through hard work, and I'm a family man, but I'm also very hungry and I'm very driven, and I'm I'm I've been the underdog myself, so I'm always about speaking out and helping the underdogs too. Yeah, absolutely. That is uh, extremely important in my life as well. I I just I get this rage actually. I get raged over very few things, but I get really raged when I see the underdog being beat up and me too and, and not given a chance by a group of people 
who are not giving that individual a chance or even on an individual type of um, situation. That's right. That's right. And, um, you know, jumping around a little bit, but I mean, I, I even remember myself in my earlier years thinking that I was was too stupid and stuff for school because because I thought different than everyone else. <laughs> And was told I had, you know, ADHD and all that, which pretty much 100% of every successful entrepreneur I've ever met does have it. Mm-hmm. But back then, I remember really feeling like I was not smart enough, like those other, quote, successful people, and felt like I was, you know, the underdog and always had to make up for hard work where, where school would just come naturally to some people. But as we can kind of share the story more, I realized... It was just because I was really, really bored. <laughs> and yeah. when I found out things I was interested in, then I got more like maniacally obsessed with, with the personal growth and elevating myself in all areas. You know, we might have a breakthrough right now mentioned the first time on this show, but based on what you just said, and I was ag- absolutely the same way, and two, you know, my boys are the same way. Every entrepreneur, I think I said something like 98% of entrepreneurs have diagnosed ADHD. I think we should read call that rename that diagnosis to you have an entrepreneurial mindset and let's spin a positive out of it because that's a fact right it is you know um actually the first time i've even mentioned this but i've been working behind the scenes on my next book after doing 155 episodes from different influencers from around the world on on my show too and i'm breaking it down to like the the different foundational principles of success that they each have and one correlation I'm I'm I have like four main correlations that I'm finding but one of them honestly is that almost every one of them was diagnosed with some type of like ADD or ADHD in in their younger years and I I find that very interesting so um, I think there's a thin line between being a little insane or like Einstein, you can be insane or if you don't give up long enough, then you can be considered a genius. I think that's the truth. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Completely agree with that. That's, you know, I've got well over 100 episodes, well over 100 uh, interviews recorded. And as of tomorrow, 89, I think it's 89, (laughs) I've lost count, 89 episodes, uh, posted and it's the same thing i'm sort of finding all of these exactly what you just said all of these very similar uh traits of individuals who excel either as entrepreneurs or you know just doing various things within their own vocations or in their life they're very that's very right. similar that's they won't right conform, that's for one thing <laughs> no no you know what and that that's the thing is so in school and stuff that's where it, it would get me kind of in trouble but I wasn't always, and I know we're going to get into like the kick in the gut moment, but I I wasn't, before I really got in a lot of trouble, I wasn't actually trying to not conform to be like a pain in the butt or to be disrespectful. I actually didn't understand what they were, like with the multiple choice questions, I would be like, well, none of these answers are right. Like there needs to be more options. (laughs) Like, and I was always looking at like the, the 360 like rounded view of how everything really worked and they were just showing little pieces of the puzzle so it wouldn't make sense to me so I was always like no this doesn't make sense it's not right and people could look at that as like oh you're not conforming and this is 
but it, you always have to challenge, you know, respectfully challenge everything is what I always say. Agreed. That's super frustrating. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I'm feeling the frustration just from the thought of it. So let, <laughs> let's do that. Let's get into that kick in the gut moment, and um, let's tell that story and really make the men here really feel that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've had definitely had several ups, ups and downs and kick in the gut moments in my life, but a very pivotal one was when... Um, at, at age 17, I just woke up all of a sudden and had no idea where I was or how I had gotten there. It was like I fell into my body and I looked around and just saw this grizzly guy with like this giant beard like laying there next to me on a concrete floor and all of a sudden someone calls my name and a police officer opens the door. I realize I'm in jail and they go to walk me to sit down to take my mug shots. And I, I still had like literally no idea how I had gotten there. And they said, do you know what happened? You know how you got here? I'm like, I, I have no idea. They took my mug shot and um, I'll have to send you a picture of it, but it's on my website, I think too. But my the left side of my face popped up on the screen and was all smashed in. And my eye socket had been fractured. My jaw was completely broken. And basically the officer told me my blood alcohol was so high that when they read my report, they assumed that I was dead. He's like, when I first glanced at this, I assumed that you were just dead and I was gonna pass it along because when I see your blood alcohol that high, no one is normally alive. And then it said that you were in the holding cell. And I found out later on the reason my face was all smashed in, um, a lot of people thought it was because I got in a car wreck, but that wasn't what happened. What happened was the only vivid memory I had before I like literally woke up, like fell into my body and woke up in that jail cell was being at a at a drive-through at like 2 a.m. Um, in, in Colorado at that time, they call Wiener Dog or Wiener Snitchel. I don't know if I don't know if they have them all around, but it's basically they're open all night. And I must have been hungry, and I just remember seeing like this giant, big kind of like cowboy truck in front of me, and everything sort of getting blurry. The witness report said I just must have fallen asleep at the wheel. I briskly rear-ended him. It was like not even a fender bender, and then I stopped. This guy was 37. He had prior warrants in other states for assault. Um, he opened my door, and they said I just laid there like. Uh, pretty much unconscious like a catatonic punching bag and and he just beat like beat the living crap out of me out of my face smashed it in bad and um one of the one of the worst parts of that all of a sudden the pain started throbbing in and i made a phone call to my parents um even though i was just 17 i hadn't been living with them for a couple of months i somehow managed to graduate high school early um, not with an impressive GPA, but I did graduate <laughs> early, and I was living with got two other guys in a trailer, and um, you know I'm I'm always about being transparent because I just like to show people that your history is not your destiny, and we were we we were beyond the point of just like 
experimenting with drugs and stuff. I mean, we were selling, we were doing them at every level. It started for me very, very early. I remember drinking like 175s of vodka with a kid I would meet in the morning when we were like in 10th grade before the bus stop at like 6 a.m. Um, I'd keep like, I'd put vodka in a salad dressing bottle and keep it in my locker. And uh, yeah, we, and then we were selling all other kinds of drugs, living in that trailer. And just, I hadn't talked to my parents and, and I called them, this is your son, I'm in jail. When they came to pick me up, my mom started crying. Um, my dad was just pretty numb and pissed off because I had put him through so much over the years, and I don't mm -hmm. blame him. And um, it was like a 10-minute car ride to their house, and it was like one of the longest car rides I, I had ever been on. That 10 minutes felt like hours. And we got there, and I just, I just remember thinking... <sighs> I don't even know what I was thinking in that moment except just like all kinds of emotions down, scared, depressed, really felt like a loser. And we went to go in my house and my dad, my mom went in and my dad stopped me from going in and was like, look, I'll let you in. And my dad's a great guy. He's a very big guy too. But he's like, if you F up, like, I don't care. Your face is smashing anything. He's like, I'll throw your, you know what, like out of here in a, in a heartbeat. He's like, you're not putting us through this crap. And the thing was, it wasn't anger that I saw in his eyes. It was more of a, he was just sad because he, he knew that I could be so much more. And I had just been letting them down for so long. And, um, and it was a transition for me. And it wasn't like overnight, okay, I changed from that. I never drank or did drugs again. Um, it was more of a trans transformation that took place over time as a result of that, like I would go and I'd hang out with my old roommates, my jaw was wired shut, um, and I'm like drinking a beer, uh, we were drinking these cheap like 40 ounces, I, I was drinking it out of a straw, and I remember just thinking, like what am I doing with my life? And I, I remember looking around at them and it, and it was just like nothing's changed. And I realized the way I was blacking out so much and didn't even know how I got in jail. And, and, and not only could I have ended up dead, but I easily could have ended up killing someone else. You know, thank, thank God I didn't. But I still had that whole victim mindset mentality. You know, it's, it's the institution's fault and all the successful people have it handed to them. And I used to think everyone's path was just made out for them. And I'm like, well, I'm not smart enough to be one of those college kids or so I just that's that was my mindset at the time. And what's funny was it, it took me reading the first book I ever read in my life at age 18, which was Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. People think like, oh, it's you know, that's not a personal development book. But <laughs> what happened was I found a copy of it in my parents' basement and I just started reading it and instead of like going out with all my friends and I started reading it and I realized I was a really fast reader when I enjoyed stuff that I was reading and like I it really opened up like a area of imagination and stuff in my brain again because I feel like education like killed tried to kill my imagination whether or not um, they they knew it and when I started doing it on my own, it's, I started like recreating and opening the doors back up to and elevating my imagination. 
And then from there, I continue to just read more and more and more and realize, wow. Um, and I don't even think college is for everyone. But in my own journey, I realized, wow, I think maybe I can go to college because I got more and more interested in that. And for me, going to college at that time in my life was a sense to show that I could actually finish something that I started. And it was like another stepping stone for me from being in jail and all that trouble. And I remember telling my roommates at that time that I was thinking of going and they laughed at me. They called me a sellout. Like, oh, college boy thinks he's better than everyone else. And I remember, like, kind of going through this false guilt. And that's why it's so important who you choose to hang around with. Um, and, and, you know, it's, there's a lot in there, but both of them are dead now, um, unfortunately. And I, I didn't even find, I hadn't been around them for a long time. But years later, as I wrote my book, I was researching them. I don't mention their names, but I found out one of them, um, committed suicide he shot himself in the head about two years ago when he was on a bunch of uh i think cocaine and and drinking a bunch of whiskey and the other one overdosed about a year ago um drinking a lot of alcohol and taking a bunch of vicodin and he had two little girls that were like ages six and seven so 100 percent of the people i was hanging out with at that time that I was living with are dead and I would have been the third one in the equation and I just it's pretty crazy but you know personally I um, I believe in God you know I don't preach down people's throats but I personally believe in God and I just felt him speaking to me more saying look like you put yourself in this situation and you can do a lot more and I have huge plans for you but the reason you're not seeing any fruits in your life is is the choices you're making like it's it's on you and from reading Pet Cemetery and then reading other books like then I read like Think and Grow Rich and I, I just kept reading more and more books on like on mindset and things like that and it got me to even reading the Bible and I realized parts of the Bible had a lot on mindset and I had to make a choice of what, like what the actual truth was. And something that always jumps out at me is it's First Timothy where he says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So I realized I have to either, fear is a choice and it's a feeling. And I was terrified of going to college and all this stuff. I said, I, I have to make a choice. Like if that's where God's leading me, the courage is going to come along the way and, and I'm going to choose to follow it on faith. And and that's what I did, just one day, one step at a time. So then the next stepping stone for me at that point in time was to go to college. And what did you what did you go study in college? I'm sorry, what was that? What did you go study in college? Well, I actually ended up changing my major about three different times. <laughs> Um, and I didn't even know what I was going to do. I started with landscape architecture. Then I ended up graduating with my BS in psychology um, in a really focused on brain physiology. And I didn't know what I was even going to do after college, but I knew I wanted to help people and work with people. And I was thinking of actually working with children. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I hated, I didn't like school. I didn't like college. I, I love to learn on my own. I just don't believe school always should take place within four walls. 
And I had to try a lot harder than everyone else. Like some of the kids that had a photographic memory, they would study for 20 minutes and get an A on a test. I would have to put in like 10 to 15 hours to maybe get a B on it. But what I realized was when it came to bigger projects that took more time where they couldn't do that, a lot of them would give up. And there were some kids like that were more book smart for me that didn't graduate because when they really had to persevere, they gave up. And I was just like, I'm going to keep putting in that grit, that determination, that perseverance and really do whatever it takes to to make it to that, you know, next marker in my life, which which at this was to graduate college. And so I did. I ended up graduating and that kind of took me down the journey of the next step of my life where I was doing tile with my brother for a while, just doing labor for him. He owned his own tile company. And that kind of introduced me to the entrepreneurial world. Um, But I always believed in hard work. I always worked, even with all the trouble I got in since I was like age 15. And I was just doing labor for him, doing tile, no idea what I was gonna do. And that led me to a series of events where I got into the field of actually starting to work with individuals with special needs. And that was kind of... I want to get into that real quick, but before we do, man, you said so much right there. We could go down so many different paths. And as we were talking before the show, chances are we're going to have this conversation again for the show because I know we're limited on time today. But two things I want to touch on. One of the things, you know, is fear. I'm going to touch on that in just a minute. And you had these fears of going to college and there's a lot of reasons where that came from and that was had something to do with the way the education system is set up and didn't really foster your way of learning and what you wanted to learn Um, but then the other thing was you know as far as the photographic the difference between the photographic memory and those different projects that you're doing it's been my observation anyway that those with the photographic memories that do very very well in the classroom generally don't do super well in practicality and when they're putting that yes that knowledge to work they're real good yeah. on Jeopardy, but they're not real good on the job site and leading people. Um, and that's, that's where right. you had the skill coming in. But the fear part of it, and you having a has psychology major, and, and I've uh, studied psychology as well, and I've learned this over the years that we are born with two fears. That's the only two fears we're born with, and that is the fear of loud noises and the fear of falling. Everything that's else right. is learned. That's right. So you learned through your schooling process and through your education process that college was going to be difficult and therefore you feared it. And really you just had to apply yourself a little bit more and apply your hard work. That's right. That's right. And and it's so true. And yeah, I mean, fear, I, I continue, I, I still battle it. I, I dropped speech class three times. I mean, and now I speak like all over the world and... <laughs> That's what I tell people. I, I continue to learn. Fear, fear is just a feeling. It doesn't ever go away for anyone. Mm-hmm. But you learn to understand more of what it is, and 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 at the end, you know, where, where you have some different takeaways that I have some actual steps. I have some things that apply to fear too. But yeah, that that was it. You know, and I'm not sitting here with a victim mindset, saying, oh, it's this schools whatever it was what what it comes down to is where whatever your circumstances are you can continue to overcome them and and continue to do it your way like there's not any one way to do anything but it but you you can't let fear stop you or else you'll never start 
you can't wait for perfect conditions because they don't exist. You have to do it afraid and you become courageous along the way. And so for me, just graduating from college, it meant a lot to me. And it honestly, it built my confidence from being that guy that was in jail to say, okay, now I have my college degree. And I, I felt, you know, it was something, spe- I didn't just do it because my parents, they didn't force me to go to college, but I, I wanted to show them I could finish something I started too. So it meant a lot to me. I felt like I owed them. I put them through a lot over the years. And then um, all, all that continued to prepare me for, for the next, there's different levels in life. And that's where I got into um, to starting to create and realizing there was a need to create a company for individuals with special needs because they had no options after the age of high school here in the state of Ohio other than these horrible institutions. And so that, I was about 26 years old at that time and really started diving deep into researching of how to get certified to open my own agency. Um, and a lot of people I'm sure that listen to your show are, are maybe they're, they're, they've had companies or they're working and on the side they're starting to create their company. And that, you know, I was teaching even in special education at that time, but then on the side, I would spend thousands of hours researching every state rule, Medicaid law and rule, because I knew that's what it was going to take to learn how everything worked within our agency, and I was going to have to fight a lot of politics. And um, again, you have to do what you have to do to do what you need to do. And and. Like sometimes it doesn't always mean you're going to enjoy it, but you have to be like obsessed enough with your why to push you because I I basically became like a self-taught lawyer because I was told that there was only one other agency besides ours that wasn't owned by the state and to be prepared kind of unfortunately for a battle because there's a lot of funding that comes through. So even as I, my office was in a barn when I started my company, it was at the height of the recession. I had just got married. We had two kids back to back. Um, it was, it was quote, like the worst time to start. Everyone told me, don't do it now. You're crazy. And also I had applied for, um, another level of schooling that I was going to get. It was this very hard school to get into and I could get an accelerated um, BSN, Bachelor of Science in Nursing. And from there, I was I was even thinking of going on to being like an anesthesiologist. And even with my BSN and my degree, I would have been making, I think it's like 65 bucks an hour. So it would have been a good job. And I got certified to open my company DreamShine, like literally that same day. I got the letter in the mail that said I had been accepted into that accelerated oh, BSN yes, program yes. that I applied for like two years ago because they have a wait list. And I just remember my gut like kept telling me it was like if you do that, you're not you can't do both at the same time. And I just wrote him. I said thank you. I'm not gonna go. I appreciate it. And um, I was just all in on it. Couldn't get a business because people are like, what can I do? I can't get a business loan. I'm like, well, join the club. Neither could I during the recession. Mm-hmm. You just have to keep doing what you can with what you have. And my office was in a barn, as I was saying. I, I was making my own like pamphlets for our company, Dreamshine. Um, well, let's back up, Mark. I want to I yeah. back up to something. 
because I read this as I was introduced to you, and I want to thank Tom Schwab for making that introduction uh, to us when he was asking me for specific guys I wanted to talk to, and you fit the bill for sure. Um, I want to back up to where you first got this started because I remember reading as I was researching you and looking more into your background that you had basically had a conversation, a telephone conversation with somebody with one of these other agencies you're speaking of that were, I'm using air quotes right now, caring for these um, people of needs. And he basically told you, you're never going to get access to these people. They, they, they belong to the state or something of that nature. Yeah. And you basically hung up the phone and drove down to his office. Let's start with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we didn't, we, we hadn't even, I didn't even officially have one like client enrolled yet in DreamShine. And I got a, a call on my phone and it was actually a lady that worked very high up close to the governor and I don't ever need to mention her name, but she told me basically, we've seen your brochures going out and we just want to let you know we've been doing it this way for like 40 some odd years. It's the way it's always going to be. And we're just trying to help you to let you know it's not going to be a good choice to open up, um, which is illegal, by the way. But she didn't say that, but I knew that. What's and I'm illegal like, about that? Well, because the way the state law works is if you're certified, the best analogy I use is if you um, if you have medical insurance, you can choose to go to any doctor that's like covered under your network, but you have a choice to go to any certified doctor that's covered under your network. Well, that's the way we were. We were a certified agency. We had all the same certifications and licenses as the state programs had. So the way the individuals with special needs after high school here in Ohio, they have like a supplemental insurance that helps them to get care for ongoing for a lot of them for the rest of their life because a lot of them need ongoing care. And so it's set up that they can go to any place that's certified. It doesn't just have to be a state-owned one. Um, unfortunately, 99% of them were state-owned. and you had to go through the state for the, in the counties for the process to set it all up. So it was like a conflict of interest there in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. Yeah, thanks for breaking um, that down. So what happened next? So I told her, thank you so much for, I guess, your advice. Don't ever call me again. And then <laughs> after that, um, our first individual was officially about to be enrolled, and the mom called me crying that night and said the superintendent of the county said, he can't come to your so-called private program. The funding only allows them to go to their own county program. And I told her that's not true. I called the guy. Um, he said the same thing. We've been doing this for 30 some odd years. If you have a problem, you can come to my office. I was there, this 26 year old kid, I was there within like 10 minutes. I had a copy of the state rule, the state law. And I gave him a copy and I said, I know you've been doing it for 30 years, but just to refresh your memory, let's read it together. And basically it says the individuals have a choice. They have an option to go to any place that's a certified agency. And, and if they were to try to stop them from that, it's actually neglecting them of their rights and they would have to be investigated by the state. And if the state didn't do anything about it, the state could then be investigated by the federal level um, and we're talking like billions of dollars of funding that comes through for that. So like literally the next day, our first individual was enrolled at DreamShine. 
That's impressive. That's extremely impressive. And men, I'm going to ask Mark this question, but I want you, I know the reason why. Uh, the answer to the question is, why would they want to go to your uh, organization? Why would they want to go to your facilities and be with you as opposed to being to these state-funded programs? Um, sure. And, I mean, guys, you're just going to have to go to the website at dreamshine.org and look at these pictures. I'm going to have some pictures up uh, as well at, uh, in the show notes at menofabundance.com. But you're yeah, definitely yeah. going to want to check this out. So, Mark, what, please answer that question. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it should. It's dreamshine.co is our most updated one too. Oh, thanks. But for the that. the org. Yeah, sure, no problem. But um. Yeah, the workshops is what the state owned. They were like these giant factories that were like warehouses with fluorescent lights. They're very depressing, institutionalized, and individuals with special needs would sit there around a table, like 12 of them, and they were given machine parts or crayons and a piece of paper, said you can sit there and color all day or put machine parts together. Why the staff that was in charge of them would just sit there and read magazines all day and not interact with them. Um, it was very, very depressing, and I just imagine if that was my own kid or something, you know, at least we have options. I We could do dumb choices like I did and go to jail, or you can choose to go to college or work at McDonald's or create, but at least we have options. Like, for them, they didn't have any options, and so I wanted to create a place that was non-institutionalized, like as you saw on the website, um, it's out, it's on two and a half acres, you know, we flash forward now to what we have. But at that time, I was really just sharing the vision with a lot of the families of what I was going to create and open. And I started out at, uh, my brother had a campground, but it was like an old rundown campground and they let me use part of their building there. And that's a lot of people, they think they have to have these perfect conditions to start something and the perfect office and all that. But what it was is you're selling, they believed, they saw how passionate I was about it and I kept sharing with them the future vision of where I was going to go with it and how horrible it was the way it is now. And it, it, just, it was one family at a time, but they started seeing and believing in, in what we were doing. And then, um, and, and that's what made them want to start coming to DreamShine. You know, I was, I was real with them. I was transparent. And we flash forward now, 10 years later, we serve over 55 individuals with special needs. I have about 20 people on my team, on my staff, and we have a two and a half acre uh, campus area as well. Well, on top of, from what I've seen, on top of just taking them out of what's a clinical environment, and as you described, fluorescent lights, white walls, just like living in a hospital. I mean, who and who who wants to, if I'm in a hospital, or I work in a hospital, but that's a whole different issue. If I'm living yeah. in a hospital, you know, it's just dreary. It's, it's, it's terrible. But you also give them purpose. Some of them are actually right. working within the facility and earning a paycheck. That's right. That's right. We, we created an online store, and actually I intertwined the podcast um, that I have Elevating Beyond and my speaking, like this next event we're getting ready to do. I have four other really big speakers that they're actually, we're donating all the sales to our individuals with special needs, and they help do stuff to create um, and get ready for the live speaking event, and they have different tasks. And it allows them the opportunity to earn to earn paychecks. And we have like a store 
where we sell candles, these really cool soy wax candles they make and they earn paychecks from that. And we're all about just always innovating and making the needs based on each individual's separate need instead of putting everyone into one category. And we do, we have fish, we have a pond stock with fish there. So we do a lot of recreational things. It's all wheelchair accessible. We have massage therapy, ballroom dancing, therapeutic horseback riding. Um, we started a Facebook live cooking show. So yeah, we're, we're always doing all kinds of cool things. <laughs> I love it, Mark. I absolutely love it. I really, really do. I want to visit there and, and check you guys out because it's just such a beautiful uh, landscape that you have on your, and, and so picturesque and the smiles on their faces are truly amazing. And they're, they're living, they're living the life of how they need to live their life. And you've, provided all of that for them you and your staff and my hats off to you guys really thank you thank you yeah yeah that's a i'm glad you brought that up my team i call them the dream team and that's i've learned a lot on leadership over the years <laughs> hard way but i've grown a lot and yeah i remind them every day that they're they're literally changing lives you know it's so important for them to remember because it can be very stressful as anything can but yeah my hat's off to, to them and everyone on my team that, that helps this whole movement, this whole vision to continue to move forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, we're at the point of the show where we're going to pay it forward. You ready to do that? Sure. Excellent. Hey, guys, I happen to know that quite a few of you have some amazing stories and some amazing ideas, and some of you have considered starting a podcast. I know because I get these questions every once in a while about some ideas to start a podcast, if what your idea is a good idea to start a podcast and how to get started. And quite frankly, I've referred you to various courses that I've personally taken. And some of you are asking me questions now and again about certain software, hardware, and, and stuff like that, basically to get your podcast started. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, just like I tell everybody else, if you're going to ask me to mentorship you or coach you or show you how to start a podcast, I will most certainly take the time to share with you some pointers and some technical stuff about the podcast and how to get started. But I just have one requirement, and that is that you host your website and your podcast on podcast websites. I'm doing this for two basic reasons. One, because that's exactly how I launched my podcast from the very beginning. And two, because I want you to be successful. And to me, the easiest way to do this without getting into all the technical stuff, because here's what you want to do. You want to get started. You want to get your message out. You want to have interviews or you, maybe it's going to be a solo show. But regardless of what it is, I want you to have the best platform because you don't want to be the expert in all of the elements of becoming a podcast host. You want to be a host and you don't want to spend a whole lot of time messing with your website. You've seen my website. My website is badass. It's beautiful. I get comments on my website. I get comments on the process when I bring on guests. I have guests contact me and say, Wally, how do you do that? What are you doing? How do you make it so simple? I've been doing this for years and my, I'm not as professional as you are. It's all because of me working with podcast websites and a couple other tools, my scheduler for one, um, but that is my savior right there. But podcast websites, those people are family to me. Mark Asquith and Ramona Rice and 
all of the team, everybody over there. You know, John Lee Dumas is a co-founder of podcast websites. And if you're thinking about being a podcaster and you don't know who Mark Asquith and John Lee Dumas are, you need to go look them up. All right, because that's who I'm going to refer you to for any additional training. But I won't suggest anything to you. That would be my first suggestion. Number one, before you get a mic, before you get anything, is to get into podcast websites. And the best way to do that, you can talk directly to Mark or one of his team members and even get a $10 discount by clicking on the link in the resources page at menofabundance.com forward slash resources or just click on the link at menofabundance.com. Like I said, podcast websites has everything you need to be a podcaster. And then when you add everything up that's going to take for you to host your podcast, minus the expert training, the face, the private Facebook group that you have access to to ask all of the podcasters, including myself, all of that is there for you. You don't need anything else. All the hosting is there. All the graphics are there. The, the artists are there. The technical work is there everything you need. If anything goes wrong on your website, you send one email and within 24 hours or less, somebody's going to get back with you and either fix it for you or show you how to fix it. You're not going to get that anywhere else. Podcast websites, go to menofabundance.com forward slash resources, click on the link, get your $10 discount and make sure you tell Mark that Wally sent you. Now let's get back to the conversation. So give our abundant leaders one to three actionable steps that they can take today. Yeah, you bet. One of them, and these all deal with the F word in a lot of ways, which is fear, which we were talking about. <laughs> Look, one of them is you have to go through terrible on the way to becoming great. And a lot of people want to avoid going through sucking at something or making a fool out of themselves on their way to becoming great. You know, just like us with our shows, we have. My, my first podcast episode, I had no idea what I was doing. The audio was terrible, but I knew I had a message to share with people. And, and it took time, and we got millions of downloads like some years later. But you have to go through that phase of, of being willing to be terrible and know that to grow to be great. And, and don't allow that to stop you, you know. People think, well, if I'm not great at it, then I should never start. Mm. Um, the other one is I always say my two-step business plan. This can save you the money from getting an MBA. Number one, stop planning. Number two, start doing. Mm. Number three, <laughs> number three is action kills fear, and and that's a huge one that I have because when you're feeling fear, if you sit there and you dwell on it and you think on it and you worry about it, you just become paralyzed. And the only way, if, if you're waiting for fear to go away, it's not going to happen. The only way is you continue to take action while you're feeling it, and then you become courageous along the way. Absolutely, 100%. When you said action kills fear, it, it turned my brain around a little bit because I was like, wait a minute, but it's the same thing. I say the only cure for, ac the cure for fear is action. It's the same thing. That's right. Absolutely. And you have to take action. It's just like the analogy of jumping off of a high dive. So many people have jumped off a high dive. It took them 30 minutes just to take that step off. But after they took that first step, they realized they didn't die. It was actually fun. Then they do it again and again and again. Next thing you know, they're doing swan dives, backflips, you know. They're, That's they're right. They're not much better at it because they got past that initial fear. Yeah, yeah. And then, you you know what? What I've learned is the more when you have fear for something, 
you know, unless it's like walking out in the middle of the interstate in traffic or something, that's that's a different type right. of danger. It's not the same thing as fear. Mm. But when you're feeling fear for something that you're really feeling called to do, I realize it's it's just adrenaline. A lot of times it, it means you're excited, actually. Mm. So like when I'm getting ready to speak and stuff, if I'm getting fearful, nervous, I used to always say I'm, a, I'm feeling I'm, I'm afraid to speak next week. Now I'm saying... I'm excited to speak next week because yeah. it's, it's the same thing. It is. It is. All right. Well, let's get through this real quick. What daily habits make up the biggest impact in your life, Mark? That's a great question. And I always answer it. There's different seasons in your life where, where different daily habits might make more sense at certain times, especially with having five kids. So there was a time where, like the year I wrote my book, I was very intentional at getting up at 4 or 4.30 a.m. and just kind of having my alone time, drinking my coffee. I would uh, go for a walk or a jog, and then I would do some writing before everyone else in the house got up. But then over time, with the kids going to bed later, I've, I've switched things around. Um, but it's very important you make some time to have for me, one one other part I have for my alone time is I make time to jog about five or six times a week. And I even will carry a change of clothes around me in my backpack. So no matter where I am, if I, I'll try to do it in the morning, but if I can't, I can just change into my clothes from wherever I am, go and do, I'll try to do at least 20 minutes. Sometimes I'll do an hour, hour or two if I can, but at least do something. And that's where that kind of gets my mind. That's one way that I'm able to actually relax my mind and it helps me with my thoughts and stuff. So I, I think that physical activity, even if you just walk, it's very important. And then I would change, I've changed back into my clothes and gone to a board meeting after that that I had to run. But try to get it in there somewhere because your thoughts can fill up real quick. Um, another thing I do is I, I write some things down. We were talking about gratitude. When times are really tough and I'm really going through a slump, I'll do what I call like a gratitude journal and I'll write four or five things down before I go to bed that I'm thankful for. And it just could be, it could be I'm thankful for my marriage, my house, thankful for a bed to sleep in, whatever it may be. But it gets you like in that more positive mindset instead of focusing on all the troubles and stuff that you're dealing with. And then when I wake up, I'll write down four or five things like before I go to brush my teeth. And then if it's things are really tough, I'll do that even like midday. And I'll just sometimes I'll say I'm thankful that I have an office. You know, like we said before, I'm thankful I have air to breathe. I'm thankful I'm able to go for a jog. A lot of the individuals in my program weren't ever born with any functioning of their legs, you know, to be able to do something like that. So th those are some things that I do that, that really help. Um, and with a gratitude journal, when things are really getting tough, I'll do that like three times a day for a couple of weeks. And that will really help kind of elevate me out of that slump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, gratitude, an attitude of gratitude and writing it down, definitely life-changing for me as well. We've already talked about a couple of books that you have read, and I know that for a fact that uh, Pet Cemetery is the first time it's ever been mentioned on this show. And I love <laughs> that because <laughs> it just got your got your brain going, got you reading because you realized you like 
you read better when you're reading something you enjoy reading, but what are you reading or listening to right now that you would recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Sure, that's a great question. One of them, it's called Edgy Conversations by my man Dan Waldschmidt. It's how ordinary people can achieve outrageous success. And um, him and I are actually speaking together in an event, but he's been on my show and I listened to his book on Audible and I purchased it and read it again. And his story is such an amazing story of persevering and overcoming. And what he did is, is like a five-year study on all these people that you, a lot of them you haven't heard of throughout history that have just gone through these so-called impossible odds and overcome them to be massively successful. Mm. So it's really a great book. It's, it's these really awesome stories that makes you think. I mean, there's one guy in it that reminds me of like a real-life Rambo. <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, it's a powerful one. That's, that's one. That's, yeah, it's a great one. Um, and then another one that I actually I read I'm rereading this again I revisit this all the time my man Dave Ramsey's entree leadership I believe is hands down see I haven't read as much from his financial peace end but his entree leadership book which is specifically for entrepreneurs leaders and business owners is one of the best books that I've read from someone that has really fought in the trenches as a business owner, building it literally from the ground up. Well, I'm putting both of those on my list. I'm a sucker for those kind of stories. I have done much of Dave Ramsey's uh, financial um, peace uh, information, but I haven't read that book. So I'm definitely going to put that on. And it's going to be listed in the show notes as well. So guys, go there and check it out. Two more questions for you real quick, Mark. And that is, what do you feel holds most people back from living a true life of abundance? One thing is, like I mentioned before, um, the people I was hanging out with and a guy on my show, Michael Levine was his name, is he says, fire your flaky friends. Um, that's, that's one of the biggest things. We hear it all the time. And sometimes it, it can be people that are family members and you can love them at an arm's length. But you have to, you know, you have to choose very carefully who you have in your inner circle of who you share those because it does it. If you're around people that gossip all the time and they're negative, then you're going to absorb that. And without knowing it, that's going to become you. So that's that's a huge piece of advice. And another one I say is um, it's important to, to reach out and get mentors and stuff. And, and some people are like, well, Mark, you're able to connect directly from guests you've had on your show and stuff. And I said, but, but before that, you don't have. You can read a biography, or like I always say, read the story behind the story of how someone got successful, mm -hmm. because you really realize what it really takes, and then it will make you feel better about when you're going through that. That if 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 they got through it, you know, so can you. And, and those are things that I think are, are really important. And then if you can get get a mentor in your life or get a coach, you, you coaches need coaches. There's different seasons. And then I also believe one other takeaway is to pour into others. So when you've been able to gain that wisdom, which which comes from knowledge plus experience over time, then you should pour that back into others um, like we do with our, our podcasts and sharing stories or speaking. Um, and I, I have clients that I do cons like consulting with and stuff, but also I always choose 
to take someone on and be mentoring someone as well. Excellent, excellent. I love that, absolutely. So what does living a life of abundance mean to you? You know, living a life of abundance means just continue. It's a lifelong journey. I would say it's an adventure of continuing to be the best you in, in every area of your life when just continuing to follow what whatever you believe, if it's God, but whatever he puts in your heart to keep going after that treasure and to lay down at night and say, you know what, I might not have done perfect, but but I gave it the best shot. I did the best I could. And at the end of my life, you know, I want to be able to say, I fought the good fight. Like I may, I may have screwed up, I messed up at times, but I continue to get back up. You know, your get back upgrade and get back into the ring and keep challenging yourself to grow. That's, that's what matters and, and give back, be a giver. That's, that's the key right there. Challenge yourself to grow and be willing to give back. Excellent. Absolutely love it. So what did we not talk about today that you'd like to ensure that our abundant leaders get from our conversation? Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, well, on my main page, uh, markmenard.net, people um, can grab my book. You probably may mention the intro, but the story of you, um, transforming adversity into adventure, taking your dreams to the next level beyond. And also, I would love for anyone to connect with me on all platforms of social media. We're getting ready to do an awesome event next month called Minutes with Millionaires that we're making it a really all-inclusive, um, interactive live stream event. So all the information's on there, too. Um, but really, if people want to just check me out and get connect with me on social media, I'll be happy to, uh, to connect with anyone. Absolutely, and I'll have all of that linked up and everything else that we talked about in the show notes. So, guys, you don't have to worry about writing anything down. It'll all be there for you guys. Mark, dude, I truly appreciate your time, man. I dig your background. We really have very similar backgrounds as far as our childhood grows up. We didn't have the time to get into all that today, although my brother was the one with the jaw wired shut, not me. Um, (laughs) Similar back, Very, very similar background. And um, I appreciate everything you're doing. Seriously, you're really giving back to humanity, and I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm honored. I appreciate you and I appreciate all your listeners for taking the time today. And I'll be happy. We'll schedule to get you on my show next time too, my man. Absolutely. I'm down for it. Let's just set it up. Send me your uh, scheduler link and we'll, we'll make that happen. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Have an amazing, uh, have an amazing day, everyone. All right. You too. Aloha, Mark. Aloha. Now, I know some of you may have been in trouble with the law when you're a young man or even in your adult life. And while I have been taken home in the back of a police car as a young boy for various things, I have never spent time behind bars. Thank God. I got out of that scene before I got too bad. But this story proves that your past does not define your future. It may be true in certain vocations and even certain countries like our beloved USA, as I recently found out from talking to one of our Canadian neighbors. But it's not the end of the world. Your experiences, even your messy experiences, can add value to other people. You just need to learn how to take ownership of your experiences, grow from them, and then step up and share with others who need your mentorship and coaching. If you need some assistance in how to do that, get in contact with me. Let's dialogue. Let's talk a little bit. Let's mastermind. Let's figure out how you can turn your mess into a message and help other people along the way. Now, Go out and live your life of abundance and make sure to pay it forward. 
that's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.